Some days can be just so busy that your head is spinning and life is chaos and you probably forget to focus on your own health. But you can now with OpenFit because OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. And it's just so convenient to do it from your home because nobody's looking at you. You don't have to be concerned about, you don't have to feel self-conscious at all. And you can work out with amazing trainers like Andrea Rogers, who's the founder of the Worldwide Sensation Extend Bar. Oh, one of their newest workouts is Rough Around the Edges. And this has six of the most like badass stunt women in the business teaching you almost even more mesmerizing just to watch them obviously do the workout too <laughs> you but <should> like <laughs> along but you could also just sit there and watch <laughs> do both also if you're going on vacation and you like you're like oh no my hotel won't have a gym open fit actually helps you with that because you can view it on your computer web enabled tv your tablet your smartphone or even the Roku. Mm -hmm. So OpenFit brings a class to you and you have no excuse. Everyone has 10 minutes a day. You can do it. OpenFit has changed the way that we work out. It can for you as well. If you text our code TGOG to 303030, you can join us in our fitness journey and a fitness journey that's personalized for you. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit when you text TGOG to 303030. 30. You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information totally free. Again, just text TGOG to 303030. 30. Standard message and data rates may apply. <laughs> Hello from Orlando. Hello. <laughs> we're never leaving. We already said that. Right. <laughs> we're here. To we're, stay. we're still here. We just ran out of bed. My face is puffy. I need an ice pack. So yep. much screaming and laughing. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we're staying at Cabana Bay. Sabrina has to do some writing today. So she's going to go right by the pool as I float around the lazy river. I might float around the lazy river. <laughs> Maybe she won't do her writing. <laughs> <laughs> I will later. I have the six hour plane ride. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two girls. And this episode of Two Girls, One Ghost is sponsored by OpenFit, Function of Beauty, Away, and ModCloth. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. And we have spent so much time in Harry Potter world <laughs> we haven't memorized. I Just thinking about it makes me want to cry. It was it's like the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've been before. I'm actually going to cry. This is like, it's my favorite place. <laughs> Okay, so Corinne doesn't love rides, but we were treated by Universal Orlando. They gave us a media view of Hagrid's Creatures Adventure Ride, Magical Creatures. I have tears in my eyes because it was seriously so magical. Well, it was so exciting because I was standing with the guy from Universal who brought like a few of the people. Um, shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex. He let us skip the line. <laughs> That's basically what the media view is. You just yeah. got to cut the line for this one ride one time. I was standing with him chatting and then all of a sudden a rush of all of you guys came and everyone had tears in their eyes <laughs> and everyone kept saying, 
That was amazing. I don't even know how to put it into words. It's the best ride I've ever done. It was not only was it like an awesome roller coaster, but it had Hagrid and his magical creatures. But then it had like these weird things that I've never seen done on roller coasters. And I don't want to ruin it because everyone needs to go do it. Wherever you are, get on a plane. Right. Join us here in Orlando (laughs) because as much as everyone's saying that we're going to leave, we're not. We're not. We're not. We might have a flight tonight, but we'll see if we get on it. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like the Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Adventure or whatever it's called. It's amazing even if you've never seen Harry Potter or if you're not a Harry Potter fan just because it's a new roller coaster and the way that you guys were talking about the different things that happen and also just the feeling and like the gliding of the cart. It was the smoothest roller coaster I've ever been on. And then after that, I went on Hulk and I was super like, I just need to go back to Hagrid. Yeah, you said it all day long. (laughs) So maybe do it last thing in the park because – you just won't want to do anything else after. Or get there at 8 a.m. and just go. Or bring your child because then you could do child swap but tell your significant other actually, sorry, no, I'm going to go again. You can't switch. <laughs> <laughs> so while Sabrina's recommending rides, I, who do not, I'm not someone who does rides, I will recommend the ice cream shop. In I also second Diagon this recommendation. Alley. We each got two scoops, different flavors, but one of our flavors was the same, and it was by far the best. It was, it was so a good. salted caramel blondie. Oh, my God. It had actual blondie pieces in it. It was the best ice cream so I've good. ever had in my entire life, and that takes a lot for me to say <laughs> because I am a hardcore Ben & Jerry's fan and defend them through and through. You're a Vermont girl. But I'm also Diagon Alley's salted caramel blondie fan. What was the place called? It was like Fletcher's. I took a picture. Oh my gosh, it was so fun because the people who work in Diagon Alley in the stores talk like they're actually working in their own store in Diagon Alley. Like Sabrina was looking for Hufflepuff pajama set. Which they don't have. They had it for Hogwarts and Slytherin only. Gryffindor and Slytherin. (laughs) I swear I've seen the movies and read the books. (laughs) I promise. I just – my brain isn't working. Um, But yeah, we went into the shop and the guy was like, oh – oh, I don't carry them in stock in my shop, but you should check out the people, like the crew over at blah, 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 blah. He was just talking in a way that made it sound like he didn't really know the other store owners, but maybe we should go check out. And he'd call the stores by name. And, yeah. like, and it's across from this store and that store. And it wasn't just like, oh, go left. And then when you see, it was so real the way he yeah. was talking. And it just made it so much more magical. Also, I mean, you already feel like you just are in Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley, wherever, which one you're, whichever one you're in. But then last night we went to Horror Nights for the second night in a row. And everyone kept telling us, like, when you're at Horror Nights, go back to Diagon Alley because it's so quiet and no one's really there. And so we go. Yeah, because there's, n- there's no scare zones or anything in Diagon Alley. Right. So people are going for Horror Nights. There's, like, not much – there's nothing there that you would. Right. So we walked in and it was the most magical thing ever because you really did feel like it was just you. None it, of the muggles yeah. were there. It was just the witches and wizards. <laughs> Visiting hours were over and it was just us. Yeah. It was like comparing a, a town during rush hour versus a town during just like normal hours. There was just like a regular amount of people, mm-hmm. just a few people at night walking through. It was so romantic. It was lovely. <laughs> oh my gosh. And if you don't do rides, you should still walk through what what's the bank called? Gringotts. Gringotts. Oh my god. Yeah. I took 
so many pictures. I hope I was allowed to. No one yelled at me. No, you I were, was you very were, obvious about my picture. I had them take a photo of me when I was in there by oh, myself. Okay. No, yeah. I kept getting frustrated too because I was like, I keep trying to take a picture, but someone else keeps taking one with a flash at the same time. And it took and it me a while you. to realize my flash was on and it was my phone. <laughs> it reminds me of when we went horseback riding with my family and my mom kept taking pictures with her flash on and her horse kept like jolting. And she's like, what's happening? I'm like, mom, turn your flash off. And she didn't. And she eventually got thrown off the horse. Oh, well, lesson learned. Turn yeah. your flash off, Turn folks. your flash off. But all of Universal yeah. was so cool. I We went to both. Well, we did two of the three parks. So we did Islands of Adventure. And we also did Universal Orlando. Yeah. And we can see Volcano Bay outside of our window. We can. So does that count? No. But I, I'm obsessed. And It's I the love, greatest park ever. Yeah. Last night we ate at Moe's. We had pizza and beer at Moe's. Which, which is the Simpsons bar. Yes, but and it's also Sabrina. Go ahead. Take no, it away. no, go ahead. Well, it's near and dear to our hearts as LMU students and uh, former Westchester, California residents, mm-hmm. because Moe's is a local bar down in Playa del Rey, which all the LMU students go to, mm-hmm. and the creator of The Simpsons. It was his favorite bar as well. So mm-hmm. when you go into Moe's at like the Simpsons land, you're basically just walking into our Playa del Rey bar that we spent but, a lot of time at. And also more specifically, Moe's in Playa del Rey, the owner, obviously his name is Moe, and he is always there. He's this old man. He's always, always, always there. He's such a character. He like comes and sits and talks with you. And it's just like an old, it's like a little bit of a dive bar, but it's so fun and Uh and it's pool and pictures of margaritas that are cheap and wonderful and so they these kids went to mo's and met mo and they're like oh my god you are one of like the coolest people and he is such a character just to begin with Mm -hmm. and it was inevitable that they turned him into a character in the simpsons yeah but we were like oh this is so cute we're together away from california and Mm -hmm. florida but we still somehow find our way back to Mm -hmm. a local spot a local spot (laughs) In the Simpsons oh, cartoon. So much fun. Oh, uh, I could keep talking about it. And then Horror Nights, we've already talked about it in Encounter 65, but it was so much fun. It was so fun. And we did, so the first night we did the RIP tour, which if you can afford to spend money on the RIP tour tickets, oh my God, it is worth it because you can do everything. You can do the entire park in one night, which is so amazing. Yes. And then the second night we didn't do rip though we did ask if rip was available because we we're like that was so great <laughs> but it was sold out so just check online it's, yeah it's worth considering um but for the first night when we did the rip tour we had the best tour guides we had michael and david they were so fun and they'd both been going to the park for i think i think michael said that he'd been going to the park for like 19 years and david had been going for like 29 years david said he actually went to the very first horror nights which was 29 years ago when he was a kid. And so ever since then, he's just been in love with it. And now he's an RIP tour guide there. Oh, my gosh. They were so knowledgeable. And they, like, told us extra intel. And mm-hmm. we were asking a lot of questions. We were we were the people that were, like, at the very front or back of the tour asking David and Michael questions the entire time. The entire time. They had to be friends with us because we walked with them uh-huh. in between every single We house. made friends with everyone. I bet everyone was like, oh, my God, these girls are too excited. But we oh, were like, sure. just so happy. Also, when we were on the IRP tour, like we got to go around back behind the sets of things, which was really cool. It was like a view of the park that you never really would get. 
And then last night when we went, just the two of us, we kept getting lost. And like we get, we start walking through the park and then we'd be like, wait, we're in line for something. What are we in line for? Yeah. And then we had to like get out. Yeah. So, so it's worth having someone who knows <laughs> the park show you around because if you're not good at reading signs, Sabrina didn't have her contacts in and I just have awful night vision. We together were just lost probably 50% of the time. I know. But we did. Okay. We got to see Tal, who's one of yes, our we listeners. Ran into Tal. And we met him at our New York show. Mm-hmm. And he, we had posted something on Instagram and he had said, he was like, oh my God, I'm going there tonight too. I was there last night. And then when we're in the park, we were posting a live video. And we ended the live video. And all of a sudden, at the end of our live video, we shut it off. And 30 seconds later, around the corner, Tall comes walking over and he looks and sees us and starts waving. And then Sabrina can't see, but I can see. So I go, Tall, Tall. And we all run like together, hold run. each other. We're like, it's so good to see you. It was so fun. Oh, God. It like does bring comfort to to see our listeners and phantoms like we're on vacation and we know this you park guys. that we hadn't been in before this uh-huh. weekend for halloween horror nights and then we got to see tall and i was just like oh okay it was well, so he's, nice he's here too it was so much fun i i'm this is one of the best weekends i've ever had yeah marked it in the calendar for next we're going year. again next year yeah so if anyone wants to come you guys could see us yes find us in the park find yes. us at home <laughs> We'll be drinking at most. Find us in Diagon Alley. Yeah. Or on Hagrid's ride. It's just me. I'm going to stay in the ride forever. <laughs> Never get off. You can't make me. Oh. oh, my gosh. Remember that woman who was going through the scare zone mm-hmm. at the same time as us? And she was hilarious. Mm-hmm. She was so scared. It was so funny. Every five seconds. She had her hands up by her face like they were jazz hands. Like, <laughs> like actual... It felt like a corny movie, but that was just her genuine reaction. And every two feet, there'd be a creature, and she'd turn and she'd go, ah! I think she, like, lost her group, too, because she was just so scared running through it. She was like, I'll meet you on the other side. Yeah, she was terrified. Was and I so felt bad because we were just looking and laughing at her. We could have helped her, but we didn't. But that's the that's why people go to horror you go nights. To be scared. You go to be scared, and then it brings you together closer with your friends, like Charles said in our interview with him. Yes. Good old Charles. I wish we could. Last night we were like, man, we wish we could bring Charles with us through the park. <laughs> or more like he, bring he brings us, us. <laughs> with him through the park. Are we kidnapping him? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I come back to Florida, though, I need to bring my function of beauty stuff for my hair because the humidity here. The humidity is real. It is real. So I need to bring my amazing shampoo and conditioner most drugstore brands only address a single concern like volumize or strengthen but with function of beauty you can choose up to five hair goals and add it to your formulations you can customize them you can select your color your fragrance or opt it for dye free or fragrance free and then you can name your formula like a horror nights formula <laughs> and their products are personalized so much so that your name is even printed on the bottle and function of beauty individually formulates every bottle just for you based on your hair type hair goals and preferences and it's salon-level quality at a better price, so over 40% less spent per ounce than leading salon brands. I use it every day. It's my favorite shampoo and conditioner, and I feel like my yeah. hair has gotten so much softer. And, like, 
thicker. Like I feel like there's more volume to my hair. Yeah. And while you guys, our listeners, can receive 20% off of your first custom formula, all you have to do to claim it is go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. Take the quick two-minute hair profile quiz to design your 100% unique shampoo and conditioner formulas. Go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G now to redeem 20% off of your first order at functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. That is functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. I think you're first this week. Am I? Yeah. Good. Because of this one, I am stoked about. I'm excited about this topic. It's such a good topic. We picked out the theme of this episode is haunted jobs. Which was very hard to make a decision because I based it on what I'm afraid of. <laughs> like jobs that you're afraid of yeah, doing? which is like everything. Yeah, pretty much. Including mine, which I'm putting off today. <laughs> <laughs> and everything can be haunted. That's so even true. if you're like, oh, lovely, I'm working in, I don't know. A dog adoption center. Guess what? It could be haunted. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Okay. But I really wanted to do this episode because this time last year, I was listening to a podcast by the uh, WNYC Studios. It's the one called Snap Judgment Presents Spooked. And they do – it's seasonal, so they do mm-hmm. scary, spooky ghosts. I think they just started back up. They did because they just did, I think, their intro – well, by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple weeks right. ago. But um, yeah, check it out because it is seasonal and it's – great it only goes on for like september and october i believe spooky season spooky season but i heard an episode where they share stories from this guy named rocky elmore and i was like who is rocky elmore his stories seem amazing so rocky elmore he's now retired but he was a u.s border patrol agent he's originally from oklahoma city but he worked at or in border patrol for 20 years in san diego california in kingsville texas and in tucson arizona he has the coolest name. Like, I could imagine Rocky. a movie being named after him. Rocky Elmore, Border Patrol agent. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty badass. And you really have to be badass if you work Border Patrol because it takes a toll on your mental health as well as your physical health mm-hmm. because you're in danger. So, like, when you're in, when you're doing Border Patrol, you have to face so many dangerous situations. And he outlines it, a lot of them actually, in his book, which is called Out on Foot which I read, but border patrol can be extremely dangerous because agents are often working alone, even if they're working in pairs, like, oh, my partner, Mm -hmm. like they can still be a a five minute walk apart from each other or more. Like they're, they're working, but they're not buddy system working. Right. And so oftentimes they'll find themselves largely outnumbered by groups who are coming through. The terrain is really tough. There are jaguars, there are mountain lions hunting for prey. And there are a lot of drug smugglers and just awful people who go out knowing that there are vulnerable people trying to cross over Mm -hmm. and taking advantage of them. And then oftentimes the Border Patrol agents who also find themselves alone and vulnerable right there in the darkness amongst those awful people. Wow. Like I said, unfortunately, there are some bad people. So a lot of the smugglers will murder, just straight up murder the groups of people who are going through if they go through their smuggling trail, like their one designated path that night. And the foot guides occasionally abandon the group that they're bringing across. And this is like, it's tough terrain. There are cliff drop-offs. It's like desertous. There are mountain lions and all these things. Oftentimes people only have like one change of clothes, if any. Hardly any water. Oh and so they depend on being with the group and they also depend on their guide. And so sometimes guides will just abandon the group if they sense any danger or if people are too sick or they're too slow. They're just left behind for dead. 
They're big cats out on the mountain. They're easy prey. It's really, really awful. And people will become lost, malnourished, hypothermic, vulnerable. Wow. Um, and there are also some like really horrific instances where people are kidnapped and horribly mistreated and Yeah, I was thinking also along with drug smuggling, like what about human trafficking? Like I bet that is something they have to look out for too. Yeah, there were – even in Rocky's book, he highlighted a few cases where it was just so awful what he came into contact with, with like women. Uh, Uh, That's so sad. There's a lot of unfortunately like sexual abuse stuff. It's just awful. So they're not only trying to, you know, protect the border, which is what they were hired to do, but look out for all these vulnerable people who are like being absolutely like mistreated and et cetera um, by these criminals who are like, oh, this is the perfect hunting ground for me to go out. So Border Patrol is a really tough job. I'm sure. And these men and women, they risk their lives every single night, every time they step out onto this treacherous train. And also – the paranormal activity that occurs doesn't make it any easier. Oh my god, on I need them. to know. I'm so curious. I had to stop myself on page eight because <laughs> I could have written 20 pages. Well, people will now have to read the book. Yes. So instead, why don't you trade in my eight pages for 200 pages and just read Rocky Alfred's <laughs> book out on foot? So in the book, Rocky highlights some of the paranormal activity that has occurred around his base, so just in the areas that he was working, mm-hmm. um, and encounters that are either experienced by him or other fellow trusted agents. And some of the encounters were one-offs, like spotting an approaching person, only to find out that that person like disappears as they mm. get closer, or witnessing some residual hauntings. But other encounters, intelligent hauntings, were much more terrifying. And I'm going to focus on yeah. a few of those. Okay. Because uh, otherwise, I will tell you 17 different <laughs> ghost stories. But I just want to tell you a couple. The scary ones? The ones yes. that are going to make me not want to get on a plane and go home and be alone? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. So we are now in San Diego, California, in the Otai Mountains. This is where Rocky spent a lot of his career as a Border Patrol agent. And uh, the agent's bravery in this area is often tested not only by the treacherous terrain and the cliffs and mountain lions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but also by a little small girl, a little girl, maybe three or four years old. She's wearing what appears to be a white nightgown, and she roams the area, startling the agents. One night in the Otai Mountains, a trainee heard a woman in the distance scream, calling out for her lost child. Oh, my God. No. And this trainee estimated that the woman was probably about like 100 yards away. And so alongside his partner, they immediately called in the radio as they made their way down the mountain towards the voice. And a minute later, the trainee comes – his voice comes over the radio. By mistake, he says, she doesn't have a face. (gasps) And then concerned, everyone who is listening to the radio, other Border Patrol agents that are, like, in the area, the oh my God. Like, the main supervisors, the scopes, everyone's, like, listening, anticipating these frantic calls to come in from the trainee and his partner being like, send help, this person. Or, yeah, like, terrified. Someone's dead and mutilated, blah, 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 all this awful stuff. But then there's absolutely nothing after his exclamation. So someone radios back and says, is everything okay? And the trainee responds and goes, yeah. I think so. And then they realized what they had seen because this is something that happened to a few different agents. So previously, another agent had been working that area and he was posted up in a bush waiting for some foot traffic to come down the trail that he was on. 
But to his surprise, he wasn't met by a group of people, but a single person was walking down. So he was like, oh gosh, this person must be lost. Or like, what is this person's deal? They're kind of walking a little intentionally. Like, what's going on? Right. So he's still crouched down, hidden in the darkness behind a bush when the individual goes and gets right up to right in front of him. (gasps) And then that individual turns, looks at him, and then he sees that it does not have a face and it disappears. Isn't it terrifying to think that that you can't hide from a ghost? Like they can tell where you are. Yep. No matter what. Yep. You're just hiding. Yeah. You're underneath your sheets. They're just hovering right above you, an inch above. So if you ever take your sheets out, you'll just be eye to eye with them. But that makes sense because at least they can see the form of you under the covers. Like, like you know, no one really can hide under your covers. But like hiding behind a bush, like you are legitimately hidden behind an object. Yep. In a place that you are not, that this ghost, well, this ghost is very familiar with. But like, a normal person wouldn't be. So you were, yeah, yeah. the agent was like, oh, I'm totally, I'm hidden I have cover. Out of you. And she just walked directly at him. Yep. And turned and then it's just missing a face. Ugh. And then there was another agent who knew Rocky and they also experienced something similar. This agent was named Charlie and this agent was working with his partner near the Chicken Ranch Road in the Otai truck trail intersection i don't know if those were real names for the trail and road because rocky was saying that a lot of times like trails and roads will get named just based on something that Mm. happened like 20 years ago maybe an agent found like i don't know a deodorant stick on the side of the trail (laughs) and it will be called like dio trail or something forever and everyone will know what it's called yeah so they unofficially name a lot of these things so i'm not sure if chicken ranch road and the otai truck trail are real but anyway i need to know what happened at chicken ranch road (laughs) (laughs) chicken ranch road name that so they're there and they're in their car and they post up and they have a pretty good line of vision other than like one tree that stands right near the intersection they can see everything so Mm -hmm. They're waiting for some activity to come down or maybe for them to be called somewhere else. But around 3 a.m., both men start feeling a little weird about being there, which is odd. And so something's in the air. The energy has changed. The energy is off. Their hair is standing up on edge. So they start looking around and they're scanning the area when they stop at the tree. And under the tree, there is this little girl in a white gown, all alone, staring Mm. at them. And she was glowing, but she also was clearly showing herself as an apparition. Like, she didn't just look like a normal child. And then the men suddenly felt extremely anxious. And this little girl would continue to be seen by so many people. There's an area also called Mine Canyon. And another agent, Agent Thomas, he was posted up waiting for his partner to come get him so that they could check out a sensor that had been pinged. So, like, they'll have motion sensors up and be like, oh, there's Mm -hmm. some activity over there. Let's go. Oftentimes, they have a scope that has thermal vision so they can see, like, if it's a mountain lion or if there's a person or something. So. He was waiting for his partner, who was probably like five minutes behind him, to come up. But he's like, all right, they can meet me. I'm just going to ascend up the ridgeline towards the center by myself. And when he does, he spots a figure wearing white walking Mm -mm. dangerously close to the ridgeline. And he assumed it was someone who had been separated and wore a white T-shirt amongst the darkness. And he was like, oh, my God, why would they wear white? Like, if you're trying to cross, be hidden, wear black, like, do whatever. So he's already like, who is this person? And so as he gets closer and as his eyes start adjusting, he realized that this person was not a full-grown adult wearing a white t-shirt like he thought. 
This was a child, a little girl who glowed oh in her white dress as she teetered on the side of the ridge. <gasps> and Agent Thomas was like, okay, there are no homes in this area. This is so upsetting. This little girl must have been separated from her group and is now wandering lost in the dark right near the edge. She's right. going to fall and hurt herself. So he starts to walk really quickly and then picks up his pace and just starts running towards the little girl trying to save her. Oh! So he gets right up to her. And as soon as he's right about to grab her, right about to save her, she disappears. Okay, I have questions because it's like, do we think she was trying to get him to fall? Or is that a residual? Like, maybe that's how she passed away. Well. Do you know? Sort of. Okay. Yeah. I don't – it's not residual. It's definitely not residual. Okay. It, it, I, didn't, I didn't include any residual hauntings. They're all intelligent hauntings okay. here. But there's – like some ghosts that have like a mix. You know, they revisit the place where they died and they also are intelligent. Right. So I don't think it was that based on some of the like background of incidents that happened in that area. Okay. But um, Agent Thomas who like ran up to the girl unknowing – he was a little upset. It took him a minute to realize what had happened. Mm-hmm. And like like well, so yeah. many of the agents, because they're not anticipating seeing a ghost. They're no. anticipating no seeing is. real people. Yeah. So it took him a minute. And then he said that he actually like cried for the little girl and was really upset because she oh. was no more, like just barely older than a baby. And oh, her so spirit's sad. all alone, like wandering this land. And that upset him too. Uh, yeah. And then there's also a field operations supervisor named Milano. And he encountered this little girl one night. But this time, it wasn't just a simple sighting of a little girl walking around. It wasn't just a little girl under the tree looking at them, a little girl walking by across Mm -hmm. the ledge. No. Milano was working on the south end of Marin Valley when he stopped to unlock a gate. So he needed to go through the gate with his car, and he gets out of his truck. He heads to the gate, and as he gets there, a little girl wearing white appears in front of him, faceless. Oh, whoa. So the little girl also. She's faceless too? She's faceless too. (gasps) And she terrified him enough to make him turn around and just run. Like run back, sprint, I don't know, 20 feet back to his car. Oh my gosh. Um, And I'm wondering if perhaps this little girl is the same one who also spooked the agent in the bush appearing faceless. Or the way that that agent described the person was that it was like an adult. So I'm wondering if perhaps that's the mother, the mother who also screams for her lost child. Right. So there's some questions about who these people are, who these spirits are, and there are some records of a Mexican bandit and an Indian attack in that area back in 1837, and many people were killed in that attack, and there was a woman who had been murdered with a young child as well. Oh. This child was about two or three years old, and her name was Clara, and she was taken. So I think her mother was – Murdered, And then she was taken alongside a few others. I think two teenage girls were taken alongside Clara. And it's thought that this little girl, Clara, and her mother, the one who screams for her right, they were child, separated. are wandering the area looking for her because oh my, that's so sad. Clara was taken, but it's assumed that she was also murdered yeah, sometime murdered. later. It's so sad because it's, it seems like they're roaming similar areas. Yes. And yet they have not found each other. They're not crossing paths, but they're constantly wandering faceless. Breaks my heart. That's so sad. Yeah. And I wonder what it means to be faceless too. Like, does it mean, is it like you're mm -hmm. missing a a part of you? Like they're missing each other. And so they're not each other. They're not themselves without each other. Or is it something more sinister and malicious? I think it. Sadly, I think it might mean that they were shot in the face. Oh, you're right. It totally could be. 
That's the first thing that came to my mind. So sad. So sad. So sad. Well, regardless of the backstory, the little girl, sightings of her can be extremely upsetting. People will feel anxious. They'll feel sad. They'll start crying mm-hmm. for her. But also, it can be terrifying. Yeah. She can appear really quickly and closely to people. And that is what happened to a guy named Sal while he was out with Rocky. Oh, my gosh. Sal had been in his truck, and he stopped to go look over a creek next to the road just to, like, see what he could see if anyone Mm -hmm. or any animals were down there. And to his horror, he sees – this is so awful. He sees a little girl in a white nightgown floating face down Mm. in the river. So he runs to his truck to grab his radio to call for help. But as soon as the radio is in his hand as he's about to call – he looks back as he's about to be like, we need help. And then right there, he's face to face with the little girl. She's oh. no longer in the river, but instead standing right next to him, looking up at him. No. So scary. That's terrifying. It's startling. It's startling for sure. Whoa. Yes. So while this little girl is obviously <laughs> scary, a scary sight and she spooks a lot of agents – any agent would probably choose to come in contact with her oh, no. over the beast. That does not sound good. <laughs> so one night in the Otai Lakes, Rocky and three other people, three other agents or, I don't know, members of the Border Patrol squadron. I don't I know if these things are wor- right. Well, I don't know if they were or agents officers. with him. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. Could have been a supervisor and two trainees. I don't know. Right. I can't remember. But there were three other people, so four of them in total, walking along this trail by the Otai Lakes when they hear a large splash in the creek next to them. And the splash seemed a lot larger than what they'd expect from a person. So they stood there in silence listening because they had assumed that maybe it was a large group trying to cross the river mm-hmm. and like a bunch of them maybe went all at once and then they'd hear like individuals jumping. Right. But they didn't they didn't hear that. So it was just that one large splash and then nothing more for a few moments. And then they hear what sounded like someone slowly making their way against the small current up the river. Like they were oh. walking in the middle of the river. And so they're curious and they go to the water's edge to try to see what they can see and they don't see anything. But while they're there, right next to them, there are four coyotes that are also right there on the water's edge. And they, there's a nickname for coyotes. They call them, I forget, but it's basically like the Border Patrol agent's best friend because they're very vocal. Mm. They're like Siamese cats. They like scream mm-hmm. and make noises. Like Leia. Yeah. So anytime someone's in their like area, they're like, bah! like they lose their shit. Oh, they're like, blah, 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 blah. They're chatty. <laughs> But these coyotes were very uncharacteristically scared. So both the Border Patrol agents plus this other something in the river were in the coyotes area. But the coyotes had their ears back. They were quiet. Their tails were tucked between their legs. And they all just turned after a few moments of like watching the river alongside these men. They just turned and ran, ran past like brushing up against the Border Patrol agents, just like booked it out. Like like, we're out. We're out. And so taking a cue from the wildlife as well as the bad vibes that they were getting, they were saying that their hair was standing up on the back of their neck. Oh, my gosh. These guys were like, we should probably continue on. Yeah. And it's a good thing that they did because a short time after that, a supervisor named Jeb, he was running the scope. So this is like where you see like the thermal heat images and you can see where people are, what's going on. And 
per Jeb's instruction, two agents were heading to find a group that Jeb had seen in the scope that was trying to illegally pass through the area. But they were cut short when Jeb suddenly told them that there was a large predator stalking them and to immediately turn around and return to their vehicle and drive away from the area, just get out of the area. Oh, my gosh. So assuming it was a mountain lion, these agents turned around right away, went back to their truck and drove off. But then the real story of what Jeb saw came out sometime later. In the scope, he saw a large predator stalking the men. Oh. And this was not a bear. It was not a jaguar. It was not a mountain lion. Jeb had watched the agents through the scope. And as they got out of their vehicle and started walking on foot, something suddenly came up out oh. of the river. Oh, my gosh. Towards them. And at first, Jeb was thinking maybe it was a mountain lion or a bear. Maybe not a mountain lion anymore, but a right. bear because it was walking upright on two feet. But as soon as it got close to where the agents were, Jeb realized its size. It was so much bigger than any bear in that region could have been. And he'd never seen anything like it. And what's really interesting is in the scope, this creature was so close to these agents, enough to compare size. But for the agents, they didn't hear him get out of the water or this oh creature God, get out of the water. Oh, my God. He was so quiet. They didn't see anything or sense anything. That thing was basically invisible to them. So what the heck is yes. this? Right? So not only did Rocky and his group sense something in the river but not be able to see anything, but also Jeb witnessed this heat signature of this river creature bipedal mystery beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometime later – I don't even know if it was sometime later or maybe it was in tandem with all of these events. But the group who had been crossing over the border and had, you know, been caught by Border Patrol and brought in, they began to talk about the monster and the beast and the Bigfoot in that area living in the canyon. And together actually witnessed the beast. So all of them together uh-huh. witnessed this creature. One of the people in the group yelled, Oficial, mira eso, which is, officer, look at that. And together they turn around and they see the seven-foot-tall creature with its shoulders reaching, like, above its head. So, like, its shoulders are so beastly. Like, it's – what are these? Like muscular shoulder what blades. What are these things called? Your I don't know. Shoulder? Your shoulder muscle. People work them out and get, like oh, – I don't know what they're called. I don't remember either. Like, swimmers have big ones. Or, like, people do – I don't know. Whatever. But I just like, call them your shoulders. <laughs> there's a name. <laughs> But anyway, like, it's it's huge, and it's crushing through the brush. It's walking on two feet with its arms waving, like, almost, they said, in, like, a swimming motion. Like, what? reaching out and, like, moving Touching the brush in front of it. Just going up the canyon towards them. Terrifying. Damn. And this creature continued to be seen in the area by so many different people. So, actually, a bunch of patrol agents were asked to kill the beast these people walking through were like oh my gosh like kill the beast kill the beast we saw the beast like beauty and the beast yeah it's (laughs) scary well they kept calling them the beast and um one of the people who had been walking like across the the border told them that they felt something breathing down their necks (gasps) what and that they were really scared so they didn't see anything but they felt like breath down their neck I'm so curious as to what this could be mm-hmm. because it doesn't sound like Bigfoot. I've never heard of Bigfoot like going invisible. Unless really? Bigfoot isn't, unless it's evolving. Well, I have heard a few and there oh. are a bunch of theories on him being an interdimensional species. Well, which that I'll I've get heard. Into. Yeah. 
Well, that's the whole thing about him, like, disappearing and stuff. There are also footprints. So not only are all of these people crossing through, because there are – I don't remember the statistic, but there are so many people who cross the border every single night all Mm -hmm. across the United States. And so, of course, there's going to be people who see these odd things, who come in contact with these odd things and report back sometimes. I'm sure so many people have seen stuff that they've never said anything about it. But also the agents patrolling the area, they are basically like expert trackers as well and know all of the – the animals and know how to track footprints and all this stuff. And they've come in contact with a bunch of footprints that have absolutely no rhyme or reason as to when or why or where they will appear. And they don't belong to any animal. And what's more is they will appear and walk for some time and then just absolutely vanish without a trace. It's like whatever it was suddenly didn't have pressure. Almost like it lifted off. Like it was like, whoa, either it disappeared or it began to fly like just like odd things like that i don't think it was flying but i think it just disappeared so could you imagine if bigfoot could fly (sighs) i don't want that no (laughs) he's too big except for if you were dating him then you could like you know fly a little bit with him which would be kind of cool oh my gosh every time my feet would get tired i'd be like can you just carry me (laughs) (laughs) can you just fly me home can you just fly me home i don't want to wait for uber um so Rocky actually joked after hearing all these stories and people talking about it and all of these people who were crossing the border who, you know, Border Patrol came in contact with and stopped mm-hmm. them from crossing. All these people were telling them all of these things. And then in tandem with this, Border Patrol agents themselves were seeing odd things and a few of them experienced odd things. And so Rocky heard about all of this. He'd never seen anything. But he mm-hmm. joked actually one time with a few Bureau of Land Management employees at one point that they had a Bigfoot problem. He thought he was being funny. <laughs> he was like, ah, you have a Bigfoot problem. <laughs> but instead of laughing, these employees said very seriously that they believed that there was a group of about maybe three of them traveling through the Otai mountain range. Oh, my gosh. Like, like very serious. Like, not trying to pull a prank on him. We're just like, whoa. Yeah, we believe that there's uh, maybe about three individuals. This is so cool. But so also cool. scary. It's like the thing, if you're not in that world and if Rocky didn't write this book and if people didn't start speaking, it's like people that are like – in these jobs, they don't release what happens, you right. know? Yeah, it's not talked about openly. Right. Meanwhile, there's like a market basket up in Massachusetts that has some paranormal activity going on like <laughs> a year ago, and it's all over the news. Right. So it's really interesting. But because of these experiences with the creature, Rocky actually theorizes that Bigfoot is kind of like what I said, that he's maybe more of an interdimensional creature because he's able to pop maybe into another dimension and disappear or actually control his or its visibility whenever it wants. And that also explains why maybe just even controlling visibility explains why the men never saw the creature in the river or behind them. Mm -hmm. But the scope who was Jeb, who was looking through the scope, he saw it on the heat signature. Right. And the footprints disappear, and Bigfoot has never been captured, so maybe it just absolutely can control its visibility so no one will ever be able to capture Bigfoot. Wow. Unless he wants to be captured. Unless he wants to. Unless we make eye contact. (laughs) And it's love at first sight. Yeah. And he just, like, melts, and he's like, Uh I'll never go invisible again. Look at this tiny little pudgy white human. (laughs) That I want to be mine. 
<laughs> okay, so there's plenty of danger around in this area and in all of the areas, really. Anytime you're in the woods or like you're one with nature, it's risky. You could fall and get injured, et cetera, et cetera. But luckily for Border Patrol agents, for a while, they had a pair of helping hands. So one night, Rocky was supposed to be patrolling with a Border Patrol trainee. His name was Luis Santiago, but Rocky was like really sick. He came down with the flu and he ended up not being able to go into work. So he stayed home. Mm -hmm. And at 12.02 that night, Rocky's radio, which had been turned off in his closet, started releasing this patterned alert noise that he'd never heard before. And what's even more odd was, like I said, his radio was turned off. And so figuring the radio fuses were just like glitching, he went back to bed. And the next morning, he learned that at that time, the night before – Luis Santiago, who he was supposed to be partnered with, had died that night on the job. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So it's so, so awful. And Santiago was like this amazing, lovable, hilarious man. Everyone respected him. His loss was so devastating. That's so horrible. And what's even more devastating is that there are some questions about his death. So Santiago had fallen from a 120-foot drop to his death, and it was ruled as an accident, but there was some thought that he had been pushed. Oh, gee. Also that night, he radioed in in a way that they that made the people who heard his radio call assume that he had seen something and was going to investigate. And then moments after that radio call, there was a shout, mm-hmm. and they heard Santiago fall. Oh, I wonder what he was investigating. Oh, God, that's so scary. Yeah. See, this is why they need them to partner up. I know. I'm sure he did have a partner, but it doesn't matter because they're not – it's not buddy system. I know, but that's what I mean. That's why they should be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They should be buddy system. I don't know if there's enough manpower for that, unfortunately. But the night of the memorial service for Luis Santiago, Rocky had attended and then went to sleep after. And he woke up again at 12.02 to rhythmic beeping coming from his radio, that same alert system coming from his radio. And he picks up his radio, his radio's turned off, but it's still beeping. And then he he feels suddenly like he should answer the call, but then he gets way too scared. He's ah! like, I don't want to hear what's on the other end. So he takes the batteries out and he goes back to sleep and the beeping never occurred ever again. <gasps> but uh-huh. it didn't keep Rocky from inquiring about it. Okay. Turns out these radios do not have distress signals. They are not capable of sending such signals, nor do they ever make a sound, which Rocky heard, nor do they have sounds come through when they are turned off at all. So it's thought that Santiago had made his presence known, and he actually would continue to do so for some time, like three years or so. So, Oh, my God. I wonder if he's doing Morse code. Oh, I w- yeah. Like, what is he trying to communicate, you know? I don't know. We don't know. Only Rocky knows. Ugh. Maybe he knows, but he doesn't want to say interesting but countless times there were groups who were crossing the border who would wait to be captured or walk themselves up to border patrol agents which was weird that they would do so they don't like that's not typical right but all of them would be upset and they would state that they had just met border patrol agent Luis santiago who had introduced himself to them <gasps> told them the story of his death sometimes he'd be carrying his head in his hands Whoa. which it's it's a I think he, when he fell, he hit his head. So oh, no. death probably died immediately from his head injury. Oh, wow. And he would talk about how sad he was because he had unfinished business. And he would Aww. ask them to either stay put and wait to be found, or he would point out where people, the Border Patrol agents were hiding and uh-huh. say, go turn yourself in. And so these people crossing were 
so upset. So many of them would like cry for him from for his story. And often they were terrified because there was a ghost talking to yeah. them for a prolonged amount of time in the darkness. Yeah. So the groups would obey him and it was so insane. So these Border Patrol agents who were friends with Santiago are like, what is going on? Like at first they were like, are these people playing a cruel prank? It didn't make sense what they were doing. So Santiago's presence became even more apparent on the mountain, so much so that he was nicknamed by groups crossing the border as El Fantasma, the phantom agent. Mm. And even smugglers, the really cruel, rough, brutal smugglers who injure so many, started to reroute their path in fear of running into Santiago. Wow. And witnesses said that Santiago appeared slightly transparent. He didn't walk like a normal agent. And it was very clear that he was a spirit, but he was also highly communicative. So while Santiago often stopped groups and asked them to wait to be found by agents or instructed them to turn themselves in, sometimes like, you know, pointing to where the agents right. were hiding in the bushes or where their vehicles had been parked like over mm-hmm. the, on a different side of the canyon. He also spent time saving people who needed to be oh, saved. Oh, I love that. So there was one instance where a group of people were separated from their guide late at night. They were lost. They were out of water. They were wandering aimlessly in this dangerous area. Mm-hmm. And this group then spotted this Border Patrol agent walking up to them. They said that they could see through him, and he then introduced himself and pointed them to a trail and said, follow it, and you will find water on the other side if you do. So he saved them in that way. So there are a bunch of instances like this. There was actually, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember. There were so many more in the book, but I I shouldn't say everything in the book because everyone should just read People should read it. Read the book. I don't want to spoil everything. But basically, Luis Santiago, he patrolled the area for about three years, and he was seen regularly. And he was actually sort of like migrating from one area to another. So everyone's like wondering what what Luis Santiago was doing and why he was appearing so many times and who he appeared to. And there were plenty of times where he aided his old colleagues and assisted in near-death experiences, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but one night, there was a group that was passing by a cliff area when Luis Santiago appeared to them and told them to stop. The group did not obey his orders. Aww. And instead, six of them ended up running off of the cliff. <gasps> so, like, it would be to their death. But five of them survived. And the person who did not survive was thought to be the guide, which goes with this whole theory that Santiago was actually killed because it's suspected that he had been pushed off the cliff. Right. So it's suspected that maybe he was – there was a guide that maybe, like, tried to get him to, like, come towards yeah. him or, like, set him up to push him off the cliff so that they could pass through. So Santiago – I wonder if it was this guy. Well, that's what it, – it's thought that it's probably this was Santiago's killer because – one person after falling off of the cliff mm-hmm. all of them should have died but only right. that one only person one. died and everyone else who accidentally went off the cliff unintentionally survived and Whoa. also after that incident santiago never appeared <gasps> again and remember when he oh had God. appeared previously he would tell his story say he was sad and say it said he had unfinished business so it's thought that he was just waiting to get revenge on the person who killed him. And once he did, three years later, once he killed his murderer, he was at peace and moved on. It's it's a, all so sad. I just worry because I, it, I worry that he's not at peace because revenge isn't always the right thing. You know, maybe like, it depends on your personality because to you that seems like but the to case. The universe. But to me, I'm a little eye, eye for an eye type of person. Yeah, but what's the... 
I just wonder how the universe takes that. I don't know. I hope he's at peace. Yeah. I mean, if you think about so many religions, not to get all like religious, but myself, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> but think about it. Like Jesus died, but it's all about forgiveness. Exactly. So killing someone isn't forgiveness. But if you do kill someone, well, you shouldn't kill someone. But <laughs> I don't want, I don't, Luis Santiago is such a great person and he still has family that's alive and he still has so many people who love him. So I don't want to think that he, his spirit is still not at peace and that he, after seeking revenge and getting to the point that he needed to be to not appear, I don't want to think that he didn't end up anywhere that he yeah. should have been, which based he, on how I he hope lived his peace. life would he was a good person yeah i hope he's at peace that'd be great yeah but anyway so those are three examples of so many things that happened so as a border patrol agent just in rocky's area and just out of the stories that he knows or the people have told him so imagine how much more there is wow what a crazy job yeah i wouldn't be able to do it I would love to he- – I'm going to read that book. I want more. I want to know more. <laughs> and also he does plenty of interviews too. So reading is not your jam. YouTube can be your friend. Oh, wait. That's great. Yeah. But if you do decide to uh, maybe travel to the Otai Mountains and test your luck, perhaps you could come a little bit more prepared with some away luggage and fill that luggage with things to battle creatures and scary ghosts. <laughs> Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features to make travel more seamless. And now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. So all you have to think about is where you're headed next because getting away means getting more out of every trip to come. And Away knows that everyone has a different travel style. So Sabrina, for example, you have the carry-on bag Mm -hmm. and I have the weekender bag. So with the carry-on bag, which you bring on like all of our trips brought it here in florida here uh it's a lightweight and durable shell that's made to last for a lifetime of travel and they also give a 100 day trial that lets you try any away product on the road and a limited lifetime warranty means that they'll also fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged so so many great things yeah and they also have the bigger carry-on so they have all these different suitcases that you can test out and buy and they're all wonderful and great and they have these 360 degree wheels that I am personally a big fan of because it gives you a smoother ride and I don't have to awkwardly trip over my suitcase in the Mm -hmm. airport and embarrass myself and they have free shipping on any away order within the contiguous US, Europe and Australia and if you guys want to get $20 off of a suitcase you can visit awaytravel.com forward slash TGOG20 and use promo code TGOG20 during checkout again for $20 off of a suitcase visit awaytravel.com forward slash TGOG20 and use promo code TGOG20 during checkout okay so I chose to do little stories from people who work in a specific job okay and this is simultaneously extremely fascinated by this job and extremely creeped out and i think i would go crazy and this kind of came from watching haunting of hill house and all the creepy scenes in the morgue so i chose to do haunted morticians and working in a morgue in any capacity because working in a room with dead bodies just sounds so scary yes and also i think it's fascinating the way that our souls are attached to our bodies so i imagine that these people and they do i after finding this research they all have many stories of ghosts in morgues and mortuaries oh also in doing this research i found a mortuary like a specific morgue that i want to do a whole episode on so we i added it to our excel (laughs) 
So you can look forward to that. Okay, what's the best way to guarantee you can see ghosts? You can work in a place full of dead bodies. So shout out to Anna at ghostdiaries.com and then also Ranker because this is where I collected all the stories from. So the first two stories I have aren't really ghost stories, but more of creepy stories. One mortician was prepping a recently deceased body when he was holding the corpse's hand to shave the arm. And all of a sudden, the corpse's fingers curled around his hand, holding it in his grasp. And he realized it was rigor mortis setting in, but it was like... It's so creepy. So terrifying. I screamed. And this one's even more terrifying. One mortician was prepping a body very early morning for a wake, and as he was working on it, he turned his back to grab some tools or supplies, and the angle he was standing at with regard to the corpse left the body just like visible out of the corner of his eye. And so as he's looking down at whatever tools he was getting, he sees in the corner of his eye the body slowly starting to sit up. And his fight or flight immediately kicked in and he ran up the stairs as fast as possible. And he was just like tripping over them and crawling and trying to climb his way out. And finally he like collects himself and he's like, oh, I'm crazy. It was just rigor mortis. It's fine. But he said in his like 15 to 20 years working in that job, he had never had a fright like that before. And so he was just like, he just had to run. And then apparently he also like peed his pants in the panic. Aww. Aww. That's where you're like, oh my god, zombies are real. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> exactly. You're like, shit. I'm I'm gonna be the first victim. Okay, so now ghost stories. So this is from a mortician who had just begun working. It was their first day at work, and at some point they had to go to use the bathroom. And while they were in there, they heard what sounded like a girl sobbing. Wanted Myrtle. Then along with the sobbing, they heard the sound of feet walking around the space. And based on their knowledge of the space, they're like, oh, that sounds like it's coming from the corner. That leads to this other room where they embalm the bodies. And he was like, oh, maybe it's just a family member of one of the deceased. And so he walks into this room following the sounds of the sobbing. It's still occurring Mm -hmm. and opens the door and finds no one except for a dead body. (gasps) Oh, no. And this makes me sad. I know. And the body belonged to a young woman who had died by suicide. And he believes that it was her who was sobbing. I know. Another story is a woman named Tessa, whose brother is a mortician in New York. And he was like, hey, Tessa, come visit me for the weekend. So she was like, okay, sure. What can go wrong? And he one day was like, oh, I have to work today. But like, do you want to just come with me? You can like hang out in my office and watch TV. And she was like, sure, why not? And then she gets there and immediately is overwhelmed by the scent of formaldehyde, which is apparently something that's like very true. Like all morticians and people who work in the morgue like constantly smell like formaldehyde because oh. of how strong the stench is. Oh my gosh, that's so unfortunate. I know. I always think about Abercrombie and Fitch employees and how they probably smell like that. The perf, not like the that, cologne. But, I know the cologne. But the cologne. <laughs> it's like those jobs that have, it's so yeah. intense. Well, when I worked in an Italian restaurant in high school. You just be in there all day. I would leave and everyone would be like, you literally smell like you walked out of a pizza oven. Oh, my gosh. Like oil and yeah. garlic. Yeah. Um, okay. So she was overwhelmed by the scent of formaldehyde. She was like, okay, this is gross, but like whatever. And so while her brother got to work, she went and sat in the office and she was just watching some TV. And there were these double doors that kind of swung open that would go into where the morgue was and then also the office. And they would go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so she's in there. She's starting to fall asleep. She's a little, like, tired. And all of a sudden, she's awoken by the doors opening and closing. And she looks, and no one's there. So she's like, that's weird. Whatever. So she starts to fall asleep again. And again, the doors opened. But again, no one was there. 
So finally she stands up and she's like, okay, this is strange. So she goes closer to the door and there behind the door, she sees a little girl in a blue dress and it had like a big pink ribbon on it. And she was like playing with the doors, pushing them open and closed. She's like, you know, like what kids do. Mm -hmm. And Tessa was like, hi, how are you? And the little girl just looked at her, didn't respond. And so Tessa was like, I really love your dress. It's so pretty. And the little girl just took off running into the darkness of the morgue hallways. And so Tessa was like, okay, whatever. Maybe it's like the daughter of another coworker. I mean, I'm here. So maybe one of my brother's coworkers brought her, their kid. Right. And oftentimes morgues are attached to funeral homes. So maybe you're like, yeah. oh, there might be a family visiting upstairs and they just, the kid wandered off and exactly. So she in a meeting and not paying attention. So she didn't think anything weird of it. But hours later, when her brother was like, oh, hey, Tessa, I'm done. Let's go home. Tessa, and he got in the car and all of a sudden Tessa starts talking about this little girl in the blue dress. And Tessa's brother slams on the brakes and is like, what did you just say? And Tessa continues to explain. And with a chill in his eyes, her brother responded that he just did an autopsy on the little girl that night prior. <gasps> and that she oh, had drowned just... wearing that exact dress, a blue dress with a pink ribbon. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Another woman worked in a hospital and she was a nurse. And on occasion, they had to bring the deceased patients down to the morgue. And she said it was really, really creepy. But on one night, her and her coworker were taking a body down to the morgue. And when they went to go push the body in the freezer box, they hated this part of their job. And so they were like, no, you do it. No, you do it. And then yeah. finally, she decides to do it. And so she pushes it in, closes the freezer box, and then goes to like fill out the paperwork, which you have to do in the morgue. And all of a sudden, they hear this weird banging noise coming from inside the freezer. And they look at each other like, what the heck is that? And it sounded like someone was crying out for help from the inside the freezer. And guess what they did? They ran. What? No. I was like, what if someone actually wasn't dead? Yes. What if it was like that weird thing where your heart stops or like the spider that bites you or and like paralyzes my, you and makes you seem like you're dead? My great uncle that was like fake dead twice. Oh, Yeah. Buried multiple times. Just always trying to get him in the dirt. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we'll never know if that person was dead or not. Oh my God, how awful. Yeah. But she said that they think it was a ghost because um, other nurses told stories of something very similar happening. So, okay, which is just sad because it makes me think that it's just one specific ghost who's stuck in that freezer box. Yeah. Like, I wonder why. I know. It's so interesting what the rules of what are the boundaries are for certain spirits? Like some are just stuck in certain places. Right. Or I guess that's the question of residual hauntings that gets me. Is it really, are they really stuck or is it just, or did the universe just like get stained with a certain but that makes incident me that happened over and over again? Or does like, a, you know, like I'm thinking of the bell witch, like how a piece of the bell witch's soul like Right. Broke off and turned into this like awful creature. Do you think that maybe like you miss just a small piece of you? Is but that fine. makes me think then that someone was like murdered in this freezer box or like died in there, which makes me think, is there a murderer working at that hospital? <laughs> Send in the FBI. <laughs> send me in. Let me figure this out. I'll roll up my sleeves. No, don't send me there. I don't want to go there. What did you say the other day? And I was like, okay, Nancy Drew, because you were like, oh, you were constantly oh. pointing things out. And I was like, well, what's going on? We were on a bus with all these like media people to Universal. And oh. I was just like <laughs> looking at things on like a like You were finding every single person. They were just standing by yeah. us. And you were suddenly pulling up people's Instagrams where they worked. 
I was like, where are you finding this information on their person? There was like a sticker on a camera. So I looked it up and I found all the people. And then there was another guy who had like a little badge on his waist. And I like sneakily like read the badge and was able to find him. My gosh. (laughs) Nancy Drew. No, I was like, who are you looking at? And you had like 20 Instagrams. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's fun. (laughs) Observing my surroundings. Okay. Another mortician had been working the job for years and never had anything weird happen. And one day, the body of a young child was brought in, and he had never performed an autopsy on a child. It was, like, the one thing that he was always dreading. And this Mm -hmm. was the day the child was brought in, and it was extremely emotional. And as he was working on the child, he heard a woman sobbing, like, directly behind him. So he turns around, whips his body around, and he sees a woman just standing there crying. And so he immediately goes to, like, the assumption that this is the boy's mother and that, like, she was just so distraught and wanted to come in and see him and check on him. And he was like, excuse me, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry for your loss, but you can't. And then all of a sudden she just disappeared. (gasps) He was, like, trying to say you can't be in here. Right. And all of a sudden she disappears and immediately after a coworker comes in with another stretcher and the woman that was just standing behind him, her dead body <gasps> is on the stretcher. Oh my God. I have so <laughs> many chills. And this the- is like the perfect time for me to shave my legs because my hair is standing <laughs> up. I'd get the closest shave. Oh my God, this is so scary. I know. And so the two of them, the mom and the son, had died in an accident, and the boy's mother just wanted to check on her son. Oh, oh my gosh, this is so heartbreaking. It's so sad. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I bet a lot of this is scary, but this job is also probably very heartbreaking. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Because you see people in, like, the hardest moments of their life. Yeah. And apparently also the spirits. You see them. Yeah, you see all of it. So this next story is from an employee who had to bring in family members to identify a body from a car crash, which also is, like... Oh, I couldn't imagine witnessing all of that. So apparently a woman and a daughter came in, a woman and her daughter came in, and the two of them were distraught, and they saw what was the woman's son and the girl's brother. His name was Jacob, and he was on the table, and they identified him, and they were like, yep, that's him, that's Jacob. And they were so distraught that they had to rush out of the room, and the daughter followed the mom, and they went into the bathroom. And then not even five minutes later, they come back, and they're like, we just heard Jacob. Jacob was talking to us. He was talking to us in the bathroom. And there's no way he said it. I just heard his voice. And this employee was like, I'm so sorry, but like you just identified Jacob and like he's right here. And he was like, I'm sorry, he's he's dead. He's deceased. They went on their way. And a few nights later, this employee was working late at night and heard a voice say, help me, coming from inside one of the freezers. <gasps> The same freezer that Jacob had been inside. And the voice kept calling, help me, help me. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. Help me. And the employee was like, I am losing my mind. It's late. I'm tired. I'm here alone. I'm just hearing things. I have what the woman and her daughter were saying in my mind. And so he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to go home. But there in the bathroom, he heard it again. And it said, help me. I'm Jacob. And the employee never found out what Jacob needed help with because it stopped eventually. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. This story is actually both really dark and depressing but so fascinating. It reminds me of the story of Zona Heaster Shoe, which is like the story we did of the woman who solved her own murder like a long, long time ago. To look at the neck. Yeah, exactly. So 
This man had been working on a murder victim at work, and the assailant was unknown. No one knew who killed her. He was performing the autopsy to try to figure out what had happened. And that night, he went home and had a dream and was visited by this woman. And he knew it was her because she had these, like, really sharp green eyes. And also, he had been working with her all day, so he just recognized her. And so at first in his dream, he's like, okay, this is just, like, a weird dream. Like, I was just working with her all day, so. Yeah. She's in my dream. But then all of a sudden the woman like looks at him and is like terrified and starts running. And so he starts chasing after her. He's like, what are you running from? Are you okay? Are you okay? And she stops and looks at him and says, I'm running from my boyfriend. She said, he's going to kill me. And that next morning, (gasps) this guy wakes up and he turns on the news. And there in the news were reports of a man's arrest in connection to a murder. And sure enough, it was her boyfriend and he had confessed to killing her. Oh my God. I have full body chills. Yeah. So it's like, was she trying to tell him in case like this man hadn't confessed? Like she was like, I need help. Someone needs to put him away. But then it happened. Maybe she visited a bunch of people. Yeah. Maybe she was watching the interrogation or something happen and didn't yeah. think it was going to go in her favor. And so it was like, all right, someone time needs to for me him. to go visit some people. Yeah. Ooh. So crazy. So crazy. Oh. Or do you think maybe she also the night before had visited some cops and gave them oh, that the intel cool. and was just going to continue on until he was put in jail? Oh, that would be so cool. Just eventually visit the whole world. Just tell everyone. Tell everyone. Well, I'm glad that he was caught because F him. And so quickly. Yeah. Okay, another story is of a woman who was working at a morgue. It was her first year in the job and a horrible accident happened and the bodies were brought in and she called it a pileup. So basically there were a bunch of bodies with dismembered limbs and it didn't say anything more about what the accident was, but like. Ew. Yeah. I'm so curious. And so. She had, because she had just started this job and she was like newer to it, she got like the kind of shitty job of having to reassemble the bodies and Mm. match the pieces to the correct body. And so a few of her coworkers who were also helping her out had to like go take a break just based on their hours. So they went to take their break and left her alone to do more of this work. And so she grabs an arm and puts it with a body thinking that was the right body it belonged to. And so she kept working on with the rest of the other bodies and then from out of the corner of her eye she saw the arm move like physically move up and down on the on the slab and she was like i am seeing things i'm going crazy she like turned around and it wasn't moving and then she kept working and then all of a sudden out of the corner of her eye she sees it moving on the slab again and she's like i've lost it and eventually her coworkers come back and one of them pointed out that the arm was on the wrong body Sure enough, it was. It was not with the right body. And so she moved it and put it back with the other body and never saw it move again. Oh, my gosh. And so oh my she gosh. thinks – Do you it- think all of the people that were involved in that were all just like, this will be entertaining. Let's post up and watch them try to figure it out. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, poor girl's left alone. Let's give her a little hint that she did this wrong. Or it's like the bo- – it's the spirit of that body and was like, I want my arm back, you know? Like, yeah. help me – like, trying to help her – put him back together or her back together. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What an awful task as well. I know, I know. You had an awful death, clearly. Yeah. Um, And 
Another person who works in a hospital said she has never had any issues with electricity in the hospital, but every single time that she goes down to the morgue, the lights will flicker every single time she brings the body. Every single time. And it's the only place in the hospital that it happens. And then, okay, there's a book that I didn't have the chance to read, but it's called Restless in Peace, A Psychic Mortician's Encounters with Those Who Refuse to Rest. It's by Maria Delacroix. I have to read this. It is. I just started reading it. It's so fascinating. I didn't like finish it, but she is a psychic who worked in a morgue. And so she has all of these encounters with spirits. Like she worked there for many years. She said that she's like, ever since she was like 18 months old, she's had experiences with the paranormal. Oh my gosh. And so she, as dark as it was, she, um, she just like spent her entire life communicating with spirits while doing her job. <gasps> This, this so reminds me of like Ghost Whisper or like totally, medium. but those are people who work in haunted morgues. Oh my god! It's I'm sure there are so many more stories, and I'm sure if any of our listeners, oh my god, if you guys work in morgues or are a mortician or any to any capacity work with dead bodies, please send me your ghost stories. Yes, us. We would love ghost to yeah. read them. So many of these things. Really, any job can be haunted, which is so scary. I know. It's like we do haunted hotels, haunted libraries, haunted universities. Well, guess what? All of those places have employees. Right. People work there. People probably experience it. Well, I also wonder, like, are there jobs where they aren't haunted, but someone starts working there and then it becomes haunted because oh, all the ghosts come sure. with that person? For sure. I often get blamed for that when I That makes jobs. sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Suddenly there's activity and everyone's like, are you kidding me? Corinne. What? I didn't bring them. <laughs> They must have already been here. <laughs> nope. You brought them. Oh, well. We bring them everywhere. Yes. Universal is now haunted. Yeah, I was like, you looked over my shoulder and that freaked me out. Sorry. Like, is there a ghost behind me? <laughs> At Cabana no. Bay? A really good looking, well-dressed ghost wearing mod cloth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stylish ghost. With the temperature dropping, let mod cloth help you stay warm and fashionable, whether you're looking for cozy textured sweaters, or maybe you want some coats to layer over denim or wide leg pants, or maybe even more of like a feminine proprietary print. Whatever you're looking for, mod cloth has you covered. Mod cloth believes fashion should celebrate all women, and that's why they include a size range from double zero to 28. And if you have a question about fit, their team of mod stylists can hook you up with complimentary sizing and styling help. We are absolutely obsessed with mud cloth. With the spooky season coming around, they have the best clothing, accessories, everything you could wish for. I actually got these hair clips that are little like skeleton hands that I can put in and they there's two of them and I always put them in like to look like they're holding hands. So hurry, this offer is only valid for a limited time to get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, including all sale items. Go to modcloth.com that's m-o-d-c-l-o-t-h.com and enter code ghost at checkout to get 15 percent off of your purchase of 100 or more including all sale items go to modcloth.com and enter code ghost at checkout so hurry to get an extra 15 percent off on all sale items through the end of september okay i have a ghost story okay. from elizabeth Hey, ladies, as you know, I've written you before about how much you ladies pulled me out of a dark place when my mom was sick. Update, she's currently cancer-free. Yay. Oh, my gosh. And I've been meaning amazing. to send you guys a story about my job at the local Dunkin' Donuts <gasps> and attached is a video to go along. Anyway, here's my story. Oh, my gosh. I worked at a local Dunkin' on and off for seven years. 
My husband also worked there, and he would tell me about how this place was haunted, and I would say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, then I started there. My first experience was at 3.30 a.m. No. When I was opening the store with my husband. I went into the walk-in freezer to grab ice when I heard a loud-pitched giggle. Oh? I hauled ass out of the freezer, and I looked around to see if he was messing with me. I come out yelling at him only to find that he's in the bathroom. So I wait for him. When he comes out, I tell him what happened. And he walks back in with me. And as we walk out, we hear it again and we book it. No. Fast forward a few years and I'm on my third and possibly last time being back there and am a night manager. It was the other manager's last night of working and I was really upset about it. I go into the back to get something and I notice that all of the liners for the iced coffee are hanging out of the box. I think nothing of it and I pack the box and I close it. The other manager goes back out there, and again, she does the same thing. The liners are out of the box. Oh, my gosh. I go back, and this time, not only are they out, but they are dragged across the floor. What? I run, and I get the other manager, and together we pack the box and close it. We finish closing it, and I go back to lock the door, and the alarm system says, fault movement. (gasps) And you guessed it. The liners are back out of the box. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. I lock the door and run. A few weeks later, I'm closing with another manager, and she comes running out and goes, so the ice cream cups that have been sitting on the shelf all week are now in the middle of the floor. And I go look, and sure as shit they are. So we go and we watch the cameras. And in the video I attached, you can see them get shoved off the (gasps) shelf. Tomorrow's my last day there, and I am moving on to be a preschool teacher. But I had to share. See you on the other side, Elizabeth. I want to know what this ghost has – what's the problem? What is the problem? Why are you knocking things off the shelf? I know. Making things dirty. Costing people money. I also love the idea that she and her husband just like ran. They're like, nope, we're done. And it's a little high-pitched giggle. So do you think it was a child? Maybe. Just like being a little mischievous? I I mean, maybe it's a child, but like I wonder how high up on the shelf these things are. And Mm -hmm. it's like the child like climbing. Well, I watched the video because she attached it in another email. Mm -hmm. And it's... I mean, they're like fully on the shelf and they just get kind of pushed to the edge and then shoved off. They're not thrown. It's like a they're cat. They're just like pushed and yeah, they're kind of like swatted off. Maybe they have a cat and a kid. Maybe they do. Cats and kids. Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts. Double D. Double D. Double K. Kitties and kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. So even your local dunks, even your, your local, local coffee Duncan. shop. Is get your struggling. ghosts with your coffee. I do like to think, though, that the spirit also really liked that other manager that it was their last day. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, you can't leave. Just keep coming and cleaning up the thing. And mm-hmm. then if you have something to do, you'll never be able to leave. You'll yeah. never get out of here. That's true. Maybe it just doesn't want to be alone. Right. That's a good way to think Well, I it. wonder what Elizabeth will experience as a kindergarten teacher. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or a preschool teacher. I've heard that preschools and like schools are very haunted well because kids can see spirits and so of course all the spirits are probably coming to class with them oh my god you're right oh my god you have to email us we're putting a call out all preschool and elementary school yeah all teachers in general we should do a whole episode daycare encounters episode on that oh yeah that'd be good that's good all right what do you have i have an email from mallory it's called i watch people sleep for a living Hey girls, my name is Mallory. I love your podcast and have been listening for about a month now. I wanted to start off by explaining my subject line. My job is watching people sleep. I'm a polysomnographic technologist. So basically I travel to somewhat nearby hospitals and perform sleep studies on patients in need. I need a sleep study. Study me. 
But recently, I've been experiencing some crazy stuff going on at one of the hospitals. I'll try to remember all of the details. A few weeks ago, I had arrived at the hospital for my shift as usual. I was gathering all of my equipment, getting my paperwork ready when I got this strange wave of paranoia come over me. I felt like I was being watched. I shrugged it off because it was impossible. My lab is on a complete separate floor from the rest of the hospital. Literally, no one goes up there, not even security. And over the course of the first 30 minutes of my work, I still felt like I was being watched. I swore it was like someone was watching right over my shoulder. I sighed and kept working. I went to the bathroom to, you know, do my business (laughs) when I heard the lab door shut. I quickly went out into the hallway and found no one in sight. I walked up to the door and it's locked. We never lock the lab door. Luckily, I had my keys. So I used our O2 tanks to prop the door open. I kind of sat there in an awkward silence and fear until I was called to retrieve my patients. As I was walking down the hall to the elevator, the door slammed shut again. I thought, that's impossible. But then I start to hear knocking from a patient room. I walk in there, expecting to see that someone was pulling a prank on me, but then the knocking persisted. It was coming from a closet. And the closer I got, the more distinct the knocks became. It sounded like a child knocking, or at least a small hand knocking. I opened the closet door, and the knocking stopped. It was completely empty. At that point, I just went downstairs to get my patient. I say nothing to my patient because, duh, I don't want to scare them off. And when I get back to the lab, the door is shut and locked. And lo and behold, I don't have my keys. So I have to call security to come unlock the door for me. After everything is sorted and I have my patients in bed, it stays eerily quiet. Reminder that this is far away from high traffic areas. And again, no one comes up here. So it's always quiet. But something was off. Just as I started to forget about it, a strong, cold rush of air hits my neck and only my neck. It took my breath away. I didn't turn around, and this is when I heard a whisper of a woman's voice call out, Hello? And I sit there, frozen. No one is in the lab with me. My patients were obviously still asleep by the look of their brainwaves, and the knocking starts again, persistent, a small hand knocking, and it starts to get louder, and then I heard what sounded like a ball bounce down the hallway behind me. And one of my patients even wakes up terrified. He left in the middle of the study because he said he swore he saw a little boy open the closet door and just stand there. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. (laughs) I couldn't convince him to stay, and he basically bolted out of there as fast as he could. I later brought this up to a coworker of mine, and he swore that the fifth floor was haunted by a female nurse and a little boy who had died of an unexplained illness back when the hospital was first built. To this day, I always find myself wearing headphones and refusing to look over my shoulder or in the closets. But that's my story. Thanks so much for reading. Love you guys. So I don't even know how to say your own thing. S Y O O What? S Y O T Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'll just see you S-Y-O-T-O-S. on the other side. O T O S. Why was that so hard? Espatos. That's what I was about to say. Siotos. See you on the other side, Mallory. Okay, because when she was when you were first bringing us through that email that Mallory sent, I was thinking that maybe it was someone who had previously been in a study that was sleeping and accidentally astral projected oh. into the study, like you know had already been there, right. had already gone through the whole thing, and was just having thought it was a weird dream where they were just remembering their sleep trial, but was right. accidentally astral projecting. But if if there's a child in the ball and the little knocking and the yeah. hello, and people have already talked about the same sort of activity and spirits on the fifth mm-hmm. floor, 
then it sounds like it's just a haunting. And also she hadn't brought the patients up yet. Right. When it first started. Yes. Ah. I know because I was just thinking because at first I was like, oh, maybe it's a patient in the room. But then I was thinking maybe it was someone who was like in their own bed somewhere and right. somewhere else. Right. But oh my gosh, no, a nurse and a boy. Yeah. And <gasps> the patient had to leave. That's scary. That's so scary. Could you imagine? Now I don't want to do a sleep study. No, I do. I really do. I My sleep is so crazy. You should do this sleep study. Mallory, help me. Help us. Help. But waking Hello. up to a little boy in the closet anywhere. But like that would be so terrifying. I'd be like, screw sleeping. I'm never sleeping again. I have so many sleep problems. But now this is why I don't sleep because there are children in the closet looking at me. I wonder if he was seeing it with his like real eyeballs or if he was asleep. His fake eyeballs? And then, <laughs> well, I always say that because sometimes I see spirits with my yeah. eyes and sometimes I, f- I see them with my brain. Right. Well, that's what we've talked about before about like so much of it is just for you. So is it an image that's put into your own mind? Right. By the were his spirit. eyes open or were they shut? I, I guess know. is my question if he was in a sleep study. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Whew. Well, guys, if you've haunted jobs, if you've ever experienced anything, if you work in a mortuary or uh, I don't know, if you're a park ranger, border patrol. Or cemetery, uh, like graveyard shift. Graveyard shifts. I also really want like – People who work in haunted houses, their ghost stories. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I feel like haunted, haunted houses is cool. Which we should have, we need Charles, Charles Gray's story because he was talking about a haunted house. <sighs> All right. Well, okay. send us your stories. Our email is two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Quick thank you to Eric Foster for editing this episode and our regular Sunday episodes. And thank you to Arms Akimbo for your awesome music. They're actually, I think, going on tour soon. So mm-hmm. check them out. And thank you to all of you for listening. Yes. Uh, we have a variety of ways to support us, which you guys know. Number one is listen. Number two <laughs> is tell everyone else. Pyramid And then uh, you can rate and review on iTunes. You can, if you're able to, you can donate on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can also buy merchandise and rock us in the streets. Yeah. Um, and we also have social media. So you can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. You can like our Facebook business page or you can join our facebook group which is moderated by like the most amazing amazing people who make a group that's so wonderful that i want to cry every time i think about it they're wonderful um and you can also support us by supporting our sponsors so for this week if you want to try open fit during the 30-day challenge our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership when you text tgog to 303030 you can also go to functionalbeauty.com forward slash TGOG now to redeem 20% off your first order. And for $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com forward slash TGOG20 and use promo code TGOG20 during checkout. And to get 15% off of your purchase of $100 or more, including all sale items, go to modcloth.com and enter code GHOST at checkout. And we will see you on, on the, the other, other side. side.